Welcome to the Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. Well, welcome to Keys of the Kingdom. I'm Brother Gregory, and again, we're going to be talking about the Kingdom of God. I was going to talk to you a lot about one of the problems that we have today in society, which is depression. And there's so many people having depression, especially now with this whole shutdown worldwide. But uh, I think I'll go back to the study of Hosea, which is where we left off last week, because of the fact that uh, Hosea has the answer. And Hosea, of course, is uh, quoted in Romans 9, and uh, I've been up uh, for hours linking all these things together so that you can begin to understand it. And, you know, most of the studies that I see uh, on the Internet and in books, you can look at uh, different uh, commentaries about Hosea, and and they almost... uh, Every single one of them really do not get to the substance of Hosea. Of course, they don't really get to the substance of Paul. And they misinterpret Paul so that they get to misinterpret Christ. And you've got all kinds of people wandering around thinking that they're saved because they believe some theology that has been put forth by one religious group or many. And uh, they're actually doing contrary to what Christ said to do. They're not just not doing what Christ said to do. They're actually doing contrary to what Christ said to do. And they are more in conformity to Rome and to the Pharisees than they are to Christ. And this is why people are having depression. We have, you know, I I can't tell you the exact statistics since this uh, old shutdown that took place in 2020. But uh, I know in some places, suicides are up 300%. In other places, they're talking about even more. have knowledge of uh, people who normally commit suicide by jumping off of certain bridges in Oregon. And uh, they had more people jump off one bridge in one month than they have normally in one year. And we just had somebody drive down they've been living in portland they just drove down from portland they used to live here in this valley and they drove down didn't talk to anybody and they went up in the hills and shot themselves a young person in their early 20s somebody who had actually been in our house when they were growing up had a lot of trauma in their early days and we could talk about that and talk about the things that lead to this depression But the solution is actually to be doing what the Bible is saying. Not studying the Bible like you see in most churches, but actually doing what Christ said to do, which is what Moses actually said to do. If you, most people go and they study the Bible and they think Moses was telling people to pile up stones and to kill sheep and to set them on fire and that was going to make God happy. That is an absolute delusion. It's a delusional translation of the Bible that came down to us through the Pharisees who Jesus told us had it wrong. And it came through the Masoretic text. Other Jews living at that time, large numbers of Jews, popular groups among Jews, read the same exact Torah 
and they came to a completely different conclusion as to what it says. So now we come along and people are interpreting Christ in a Greek Bible, but they don't understand the first witness, which was the Torah. It was the first Bible was bearing witness and all the prophets, and that's why we started going through the minor prophets, have said the same thing. That's why Paul can quote David and say that what should have been for your welfare has become a snare. And so we've we've gone through chapter 1 through chapter 5. Well, I actually went back this morning and added all kinds of stuff to chapter 4 in the side notes. What what I'm doing in going through these different chapters and if you people are looking for a study bible, I say go to preparingyou.com. And uh, we don't have the whole Bible there with uh, study references yet. I mean, we do have the whole Bible there. and uh, But every day, every week at least, I spend hours and hours going through the Bible. And when I see certain things that people don't understand, they aren't connecting the dots of the message that's in the Bible, which is the same from the beginning to the end. I go into our preparing you Bible that you can, uh, which is basically the King James Bible, and uh, I add those connections and I put a side panel on the page so that it has all kinds of commentaries and footnotes. And then we do these programs and we will add the audios to those. So many of the books in the Bible we've already done. Uh, we've done Romans. I actually was working on Romans 9. Our, we didn't have a lot of side panels on that page. As a matter of fact, there isn't even a side panel on that page. When we were doing the, those pages, we weren't doing the side panel study. So I had things incorporated right into the page. I may go and move some of those things off and put them in a side panel. So you see the biblical text straight down the page. And then you'll see these side panels that have other references and in Romans 9 I quoted so much of Hosea trying to help you understand Romans 9 that it actually was a little bit confusing and of course now I've gone to Hosea and we have side panels there so I just put in links over to Hosea so that you can you can Jump around when you have these questions. I really don't like it a lot of times when people give sermons and they're jumping all over and they got you, you know, now we're going to go to this little verse and then we're going to go to that verse and hear all the page turning in the, in the church. And that's fine. It helps people learn their way around. But the problem is, is that these ministers are not really preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. They're preaching a watered down version of the gospel of Jesus Christ, which is why You have uh, totalitarian governments all over the world and why you're going to have more and more of them and the rulers that you now have are becoming even more corrupt. All this is, they're warning about this corruption in, in Romans and in Hosea. And where is it coming from? Uh, And it's the same place all this depression is coming from. We're not walking in the ways of Christ. And so, you know, and I may do this afternoon's program, or I may just have to save it till next week because I actually have to go to funerals now because people are killing themselves or people are dying unnecessarily, and uh, I only have so much time. 
And you only have so much time. So you need to start figuring out and and doing the hard study, which is really a study of yourself, to find out what it is that you're missing that's in the gospel. Because the solution is in the gospel of Jesus Christ. For, for all this depression to go away, for all the tyranny to go away, for all the corruption to go away, only requires that you actually repent, think differently, and start following the ways of Christ. So in in chapter 4, which we've already done, and we'll, we'll have recordings up on those pages eventually, but I, I, there were some of the things that I've just added, uh, and of course the, one of the last questions I had ad- asked when we did our recording on chapter 4 last week is, do you live by faith, hope, and charity? Or have you become accustomed to living by force, fear, and fealty? And in that statement, of, uh, there's uh, six different uh, links in that statement on the page will take you to our articles on faith and hope and charity and force and fear and fealty. And, of course, John the Baptist was preaching against taking care of one another by force. The whole world was doing it by force, but John the Baptist said do it by charity. And, of course, if you're doing it by force, you're striking fear in the hearts of the people. And fear is the antithesis or the other side of the coin. It's really not the antithesis. It's just the other side of the same coin where you have anger. So fear and anger, depression, these are all connected with one another. And of course, fealty has to do with bondage, where you go back into bondage. It talks in that uh, chapter 4, it talks about their drink is sour. Well, this is actually a connection to something that we see in uh, Ezekiel in 18.2. What, what mean ye? That ye use this proverb concerning the land of Israel, saying, The fathers have eaten sour grapes, and the children's teeth are set on edge. So, what is that? Sour grapes. Now, if you don't understand the metaphor, sour grapes are unripe grapes. And if you eat a sour grape that isn't sweet in the mouth, it it is it is sour, and sour grapes is what people have done. Is they've eaten unripe grapes. They ate, you know, the Sabbath uh, says, you know, and this is what I say there in the side notes is this is about debt. This drinking, is, their drink is sour. It's about debt. This is a, a because it's a it's about how you curse your children. Because that's what it says. To covetous practices, you would curse your children. You desire benefits now that you have not paid for. You also desire benefits and become accustomed to having benefits, what we call the rewards of unrighteousness, because you've opted into a system that forces the contributions of the people and provides benefits for the needy of your society. And this is what Hosea is talking about. This is what Paul was talking about. This is what Ezekiel was talking about. This is what Isaiah is talking about. 
is that you've gone from a system of charity to a system of force. And with that force comes fear. You put fear on other people, they will have anger, and then they will make you afraid. Because you've gone into the dark cavern, the dark place of the unrighteous mammon. And and you've done this by not also by not keeping the Sabbath. The Sabbath was you work six days and you take a day of rest. When you don't keep the Sabbath, you borrow against the next six days and then you owe your labor. See, if if your nation and the system of welfare that you use to provide for the needy of your society, which is to love your neighbor as yourself and to love your neighbor's children as your own children, if you were actually doing that and keeping the Sabbath, you would pay as you go. You would not be borrowing against the future and putting that debt on your children. Because that's what they've inherited from you is debt. And because of the fact that you've borrowed against the future to provide benefits today. That is the antithesis. That is the antithesis of keeping the Sabbath. You have not been keeping the Sabbath. You haven't been working first and earning those rewards. You've been taking the rewards by borrowing against the future of your life and the life of your children. And you've gone into bondage because you signed agreements to be a part of systems that operate by force. It's that simple. That's, that's different than what you hear in the other churches. But that's, that's what makes me a voice of one crying in the wilderness to make straight the way of the Lord, which you see in Old and New Testaments. So you borrowed against the future of your children and you've cursed them with debt. And the, the next item in the side panel says, and I probably will add more <laughs> before I'm done, because I, I, I see the connection as we go back and forth in this. Her rulers with shame do love give ye. That's the translation that we see here in, in this uh, Hosea 4. What are they talking about? Her rulers with shame do love give ye. In other words, in your systems, this is, this is what I say in the side panel, they are talking about the welfare state that is run by the benefactors who exercise authority one over the other, like FDR, a new deal, which wasn't that new. It's the old deal that you should have never been a part of. And LBJ's war on poverty is actually a war on you. Yeah, if you were really warring against poverty, you would not be going into these systems that take and take and take and take and take and looking to rulers to give them the power to take and take and take and take and take. Hosea is talking about this time where Judah followed a king and Israel said, what is David to us? And went away. And they committed adultery. Judah kept the king. But getting the king was contrary to the plan of God to begin with. Yeah, they remained faithful to the king. Of course, they ended up with corrupt kings who took and took and took and took. 
Just like Samuel said in Samuel 8. All the Bible, all the pieces of the Bible begin to fit together once you begin to understand this simple, basic principle of not coveting one another's goods, which is right in the Ten Commandments. People say, we are to obey the government until it tells us to do something that is contrary to God, that is against God's will. Social welfare by the state, by the force and power of the exercising authority of the state, is against God's will because it is a covetous practice that will make you merchandise and curse your children. That's what it says in the New Testament. He goes on to say, uh, why are they ashamed because of their sacrifices? We see that right there in Hosea 4. Why are they ashamed? The last verse. Ashamed because of their sacrifices. Because their sacrifices are the sacrifices of the Pharisees. That's what Jesus said. The Corban of the Pharisees makes the word of God to non-effect. Hosea is saying the same exact thing. Because the word Corban means sacrifice. The sacrifice of the Pharisees was making the word of God to none effect. Your sacrifices today, which are collected by men who exercise authority one over the other, are making the word of God to none effect. Because it's by force. It's not by charity. In America, what made America great when it was somewhat great, Americans, there were some great Americans at one time, and it made the whole nation great. They took care of all social welfare, all public education, by faith, hope, and charity. You don't do that anymore, which is why there is depression, which is why there is riots, which is why there is revolting in the streets. Because you've already revolted against God because you followed after FDR and LBJ and their Cloward and Pivens and all these socialists who come along and say it's okay to force your neighbor to contribute. It is not. It is not okay. Her rulers with shame do love and give ye. Yeah, they say they love you and they're going to give you all the, going to pay for your college education, going to pay for your health care by force. This is why communism kills millions upon millions upon millions of people. Is because it's just going against God on steroids. But you've been going against God for a hundred years in America. Not a lot at first. But now it's a lot. Now you've been going against God wholeheartedly. I mean, you go back to the 1900s and most education was paid for by private donations. It was, there was, most people didn't even go to public schools and the public schools were mostly funded by private donations. That's a, that's a completely different thing than what we see today going on in the world today. Why wouldn't we be depressed, depressed? Because we're making the word of God to none effect. We're doing contrary to what God said for us to do. What's the uh, answer here? 
What what should we be doing? How should we be going? You know, if you that there's a book by Robert A. Peterson, Education in Colonial America. It real reveals some stunning facts and figures. Uh, like the Federalist Papers, which are seldom read today in school. When I was first, uh, actually I hadn't even entered uh, high school yet. When I entered high school, I attended St. Joseph College in, in a seminary, which was, I was 13 when I started that. But my brothers were going to high school, and I I would see them studying. My folks had a room they called the study in that we would study in there, and they were studying the Federalist Papers. My next oldest brother was studying the Federalist Papers. And he was telling me stuff about the Federalist Papers. I couldn't remember a lot right now. Of course, that was um, 60-some years ago. (laughs) But uh, I've since read the Federalist Papers on my own. But we did not study them in school. Most kids don't even know they exist. They were actually written so that every American could read them. And yet today, most high school graduates would have under uh, difficulty understanding them. But the average American, with no public schools, understood them in great detail. They understood the literacy rates were as high or higher than they are today in America. At that time that they were writing the Federalist Papers... Uh, a study conducted in 1800 by uh, DuPont de uh, Numeros revealed that only four in a thousand Americans were unable to read and write le- legibly. Only four in a thousand. That's not four in a hundred. That's not, that's not even one percent. That's not even half a percent of the people could not read and write legibly. We have nowhere near that rate of literacy in America today. Why? Because we don't understand Hosea. Because we don't understand Paul. And we don't understand Jesus Christ. And we've gone the opposite way that Jesus Christ commanded that we go. Well into the 19th century, uh, uh, Susan Alder uh, wrote a book, Education in America. Parents did not even consider the civil government in any way. But anyway, we'll take a break and we'll be right back to Keys of the Kingdom. Okay, welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. And so we were talking about Hosea, which makes us talk about Romans and Paul and the gospel. Because all these things are trying to tell us the same thing. And like uh, uh, we strayed off a little bit on a little bit of a rabbit trail on American education because what we're trying to do is get you educated in what Christ was talking about. And we were pointing out that the literacy rate in 1776 was far, far, far greater than it is today. Now... We could even take into consideration some of the uh, uh, some of the people in America that were not getting educated, and that there were actually laws in the South not to educate black slaves. They actually had laws that was made it against the law to teach black slaves. Now, of course, they had similar laws against teaching Irishmen 
how to read and write. In Ireland, England had imposed laws where they, it was against the law to teach the Irish how to read and write. And uh, this, this went on for years in Ireland. But uh, what happened is they ended up telling lots of stories and they, they became fascinated with words. And then finally when they got to read and write, they became, there were many great Irish authors because they were really good at telling stories and they had a fascination with language. But they hadn't learned to read and write. But now that they had learned to read and write, this was actually became part of their strength as a people. But the uh, the oppression of the Irish, uh, if you go back in history and look at the same time in the 1850s, when the blacks were being oppressed, at least you know the black slaves were being oppressed. There were a lot of free blacks in America at that time. But uh, the black slaves, and not all black slaves, because the fact is about 20% of the black slaves ended up learning to read, even when it was against the law to teach them how to read. When slavery was finally done away with, an awful lot of blacks uh, knew how to read. Actually, you can go back to Great uh, Britain's experience had similar trends. There was uh, Edwin West wrote a book, The Spread of Education. And uh, they didn't have compulsory education so much in Great Britain or in America. But yet people were getting educated. They began to implement some of these compulsory educations at 18, in 1880. But it was the creation of the public schools that actually brought in illiteracy. <laughs> Believe it or not. Uh, because of the fact, like I said, if you go back to early America, it was almost... No illiteracy in all of America. And we had people coming in. And the very first thing they started to do is learn to read and write. And one of the reasons why the Irish were such successful. uh, They weren't immediately successful. But they had an advantage in the fact that the Irish had learned to speak English. Because of the oppression. They weren't allowed to speak their Gaelic. And so they learned to speak English and so that when they became immigrants to America, they were actually doing way better off. So uh, if you look at uh, the rate among slaves on the eve of the Civil War, from 10 to 20 percent of the slaves could read and write. And this was because most slaves ate at the same dinner table as their masters. That's right. They ate at the same dinner table as their master because most slaves were not in the big plantations. They were, they were spread out amongst the people. Uh, and they would, you know, like somebody could own a slave and they would be a house slave and a field slave and they would work side by side with their master. But they also ate with them and lived with them and they conversed with them and they learned to read and write because that was such an important part of early America because you tell you the truth one of the reasons that reading and writing was so important was because of the fact that they wanted to read the Bible they wanted to understand the Bible you have to remember it was against the law not long before that to even translate the Bible into English people who tried to do that got their tongues cut out because people didn't why because if you really understand the Bible It is a key to freedom. But of course, if you have a false notion of the Bible, it is not a key to freedom. 
it will actually keep you from freedom. It will become an opiate of the people if you don't know the truth that's in it. And one of the things that blocks you from knowing the truth that's in the Bible is the fact that you think you already understand it. And you don't. But anyway, like I said, 10 to 20% of the slaves, when it was against the law to teach them how to read, they could read and write. By 1880, you know, just a short time later, 40% of southern blacks were literate. 40%. That was a huge jump. More than doubled. By 1910, half a century uh, before the federal government involved itself in the K-12 through funding project, Black literacy exceeded 70% and was comparable to that of whites. Their literacy rate was equal to that of, well, their literacy was equal to that of whites and 70% of them were extremely literate and competent. And this is, we're talking 1910. Now also at that same time, remember that about 3% of the black families were single-parent families, many of them simply by death in the family. Family was critical to the black. Even during, you, you are more likely to be raised by both parents before the Civil War, if you were black, than today. Today, 75% of black families are single-parent families. You had a a greater chance of being raised by both parents under slavery than you do now. Why? Because you are actually under slavery now. (laughs) More so than you realize or want to realize. So anyway, uh, 32 million American adults are illiterate today. 32 million. 21% read below 5th grade level today. 21%. Of Americans, 300 million Americans, 21% do the math, if you can. 19% of high school graduates are functionally illiterate. Which means that they can't read well enough to manage daily living and performing tasks uh, required by many jobs. 19, this is the, the, the high school graduates. How many high school Uh, How many kids don't graduate and can't read? We are doing worse today under the public schools for literacy than we were in 1776 with no public schools. I mean, within a few years of the very first Americans coming here, they were already building colleges. We, we should remember that the early English settlers in, in the New World left English, England, you know, with the fear that they, they would pursue their errand into the wilderness and, and become barbarians in the process. They were afraid that they would become ignorant because of the difficulties of facing the wilderness. So they brought books with them. They brought printing presses with them. They 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 began to uh, prioritize the idea of establishing schools. Now, most people were home taught, but they established schools because 
even you know this is for the same reason a lot of home talk families get together in small groups because they share information they share books they share curriculums and they share ideas and that's really important because we we've lost the skill of that but puritans founded boston schools i mean like universities not grade schools in 1630 and people talk about the 1619 project did they tell you about that how they founded schools not with government money but with private donations harvard college within six years you know so what was that 1636 after 10 years they had already printed the first books in the colonies one of the first things that they did when once the United States government was established uh, with the Constitution, one of the first uh, appropriations they made was to print Bibles. And now you can go on college campuses funded by the federal government and you can't even speak about the Bible. So what what has been going on? Uh, colonial societies offer what they call dame schools. Latin grammar schools, tutors for hire, what actually what would today be called home schools. And then they had seats of higher learning. They set up private libraries, all funded by charity, not by forces and taxes. Once you start doing it by forces of of government and taxation, you change the spirit of society itself. And this is what Hosea is saying. These guys who go off and they swear several times. I went and put links in so you can see that if you read Hosea at Preparing You. That where they're talking about the swearing. This We have articles on swearing about what that means. So the intellectual achievements of the colonial America was astonishing. But it was astonishing because it was all done by charity. Because that's what made America great. People think, well, make America great by electing Trump or some other leader. And then he's going to fix everything. Not going to happen. You know, I've I've been dealing with people here in Oregon. You know, that 70% or more. uh, Actually, I posted on our Article 2, Section 22. I now have somebody has put together a uh, spreadsheet on all the congressmen and senators in Oregon that are in violation of the Oregon Constitution, therefore felons, therefore are occupying their offices illegally, so therefore every time they vote, they commit another felony because they're impersonating a public official. They have no right to their office. 70 to 80% of the people holding public office in Oregon are criminals, And you think you're going to have that government fix something in your society? You and they are part of the problem. You need to repent and think differently. You you need to think differently to save your children. And so now we're having this upheaval in society with this nonsense about a coronavirus and uh, shutdowns and we're we're plummeting our children into greater and greater debt to fix the shutdown which we created and the answer for all this was told to us thousands of years ago 
by Hosea, by Jesus Christ. Yeah, but we don't know it. We don't understand it. We're ashamed because of our sacrifices. We should be ashamed because our sacrifices that we make our neighbors give at the point of a gun or sword are a covetous practice. So anyway, last week we started in Hosea 5, but we're going to review it anyway because I've been going over all this again during the week and I get greater and greater insight as I pray about this and see how it's devastating our society. Our children have no purpose. They kill themselves. I I listened to, I probably can't remember her name, Yeo Mi uh, Park. She's the Korean girl who escaped from North Korea and came here to America. And her story, when she tells her story, it's like somebody came from another planet. Her view of society, her understanding of the world was in this darkest country in the world, this place where you, where she never saw a map of the world. She didn't know, you know, all she knew was that, that it, it is 1984 on steroids, where they were kept from seeing the truth. And uh, she's just recently come out with a book. I haven't seen the book yet, but I, I find her absolutely to be this little, tiny little Chinese or uh, Korean girl. This is just an amazing individual, that what she's gone through to come to America and still has this light heart and, and face the possibility of suicide herself when she was being trafficked in order to in order to save her mother and her father she had to sell herself yeah you have to see the story to understand what i mean but the the reality is is because she had this this forgiving heart that she was protected that you know Millions of people have tried to escape Korea and have died in the process. There's only like 200 immigrants from North Korea who've made it uh, and are alive in America today. What happened to all the rest? It's a, an astounding history uh, and testimony of what the world has become. But we need to immigrate ourselves from the ways of the world to the ways of Christ. And so anyway, in Hosea 5, it starts off, Hear ye this, O priests, and hearken ye house of Israel, and give ye ear, O house of the king. Now, that would be Judah. For judgment is towards you, because ye have been a snare on Mizpah, and a net spread upon the Tabor. Now, those words, Misfa and Tabor, I haven't gone into a study of those on the page yet, but maybe I'll add that so you can understand that. The snare, your altars are a snare. Your priests, your priests are down at the Social Security and Welfare Office. That's your priests. That's what priests were supposed to do. Remember, religion was how you took care of the needy of your society. And the priests were the ones who implemented that. And you were supposed to do it by a daily ministration of charity. 
Not forced contributions. Because forced contributions makes the word of God to none effect. The house of Israel is supposed to be the house where God prevails. But do your priests hearken to the ways of God or to the ways of Nimrod? The ways of Cain? Well, they do today in America. But you can change that. You can't change all Americans. They're not going to go back. But you can change the way in which you relate to your government, the way in which you relate to each other by seeking the kingdom of God and the righteousness of God and therefore the the rewards of righteousness, the wages of righteousness. But instead you seek the wages of unrighteousness. Free health care, free education, free care for your parents. Goes on in verse 2, and the revolters are profound to make slaughter, though I have been a rebuker of them all. What slaughter? Blood mingled with blood. That's what I, I think that's, uh, is that in 4? <laughs> is it in Hosea 4? Uh, but that's, uh, Blood toucheth blood, the way it's translated, the word is toucheth. And that's in Hosea 4, chapter 2. It says, by swearing and lying and killing and stealing and committing adultery, they break out and blood toucheth blood. That's the system you have today. You've, those of you heard the story of the, the vegetarian family who was constantly on welfare and trying to get on permanent social security rather than actually work. I said, you, you not only eat meat, you eat meat with blood in it. Because they, welfare is forced contributions and occasionally the government takes what it doesn't have a right to. It, it forces, it strangles. That's why in the food laws you weren't to eat anything that was strangled. You, you had to let the blood out of a thing before you ate it. You were not to eat meat with blood in it. Welfare is meat with blood in it. Welfare by men who exercise authority one over the other is meat strangled out of the life of your neighbor. That's it. These are the metaphors. Put them together. Casting your bread upon the waters in the hopes that it comes back to you after many days. That's the kingdom of God. The kingdoms of the world, they don't operate that way. They operate by swearing. You sign up, you have to pay in. And then they have politicians that decide how much you're going to pay in. And those are the liars. (laughs) And then you have... Uh, police and revenue officers who are killing and stealing. Now, I don't think that taxation is theft. Taxation is covetous practice, but it's not theft because you signed up to get those benefits. Now, a lot of people say, well, I, where's the contract? Well, I can show you that. That's why I wrote the book Covenants of the Gods and we give it away free online to anybody who wants to read it. You did sign up, your parents signed up, and your parents have eaten sour grapes and put your teeth on edge. That's what it says. 
<laughs> I think in Ezekiel, isn't that what we just quoted? So anyway, it goes on to say, so this revolting thing, profound to make slaughter. This is the spirit that you've been operating under since FDR and before. And certainly with LBJ and Cloward and Piven, which we have articles on them as well. So why would you expect not to see revolution in the streets? Why would you not expect to see rioting in the streets? This is the spirit that you've been cultivating in the people. Social welfare by force creates these things that we see as riots today. They are the result of that. The depression, the anxiety, the suicide. You don't have meaning in your life. I know Ephraim, he says. Ephraim, again, is usually referring to Israel, although it has a broader sense, which is why we see, I know Ephraim and Israel is not hid from me. For now, O Ephraim, thou committeth whoredom, and Israel is defiled. That's, in other words, you're setting up these other systems. You're not going to operate according to the bride of Christ, but the bride of of harlots. You're, you have these other systems where you swear and they force the contributions. They will not frame their doings to turn unto their God for the spirit of whoredoms is the, in the midst of them and they have not known the Lord. They will not frame their doings. Their doings, what they do. You're not doing what Christ said. You're not living by charity. You're living by force. You go to the modern church and you say, well, I lost my job. I, I've been injured. I can't work. I'm starving. What Can you help me? They will. Get, they have a list of government offices. Uh, that they have the names and phone numbers of the men, the priests of the men who exercise authority one over the other, and they will send you to them. And you think you're following Christ? It goes on to say, and the pride of Israel does testify to His face. Therefore, shall Israel and Ephraim. Fall in their iniquity. That's what we're seeing. Judah also shall fall with them. They shall go with their flocks and with their herds to seek the Lord, but they shall not find him. He hath withdrawn himself from them. They have dealt treacherously against the Lord and they have begotten strange children. Strange institutions. Their children don't even know them. Their children are rebellious. Now shall a month, uh, a month devour them with their portion. So what is that? That's, that's the same thing that we see bite one another. Be careful you do not bite one another, lest ye be devoured. So, yeah, they de- they will be devoured. You have been devoured. Because you've been biting one another since FDR. And all the other countries do the same thing. Australia. Australia was setting up a social security system even before we did. 
And before we set up a social security system, we had to set up this golden calf bank where all our gold and silver goes into a treasury that we don't see. We just, they just don't mold it into a golden calf. Blow ye the cornet of Gibeah and the trumpet of Ramah. Cry aloud at Bethan after thee, O Benjamin. So, all those, all those words have meaning, and we could look at the individual letters, but I don't want to get straying from this basic message. But we'll try to get through the rest of, uh, this Hosea in the second half, and, uh, and see if we can't clip along here so that we can get into Joel, which is the next prophet on our list. But we'll be right back to Keys of the Kingdom after this brief break. Welcome back to the Keys of the Kingdom. So we're in verse 9 of Hosea 5. And it starts off with Ephraim again, which is kind of talking about Israel, uh, as opposed to Judah. Shall be desolate, and the day of rebuke amongst the tribes of Israel have I made known that which shall surely be. Because he said he would prosper Israel. And of course Israel, like I said in earlier studies of Hosea, when they broke off and they went off on their own in the rest of Europe, they were very successful, extremely successful. Because they had memory of a lot of the things and the habits that they learned. That's one of the things that they talk about depression today amongst teenagers is a learned behavior that they get from one or more of their parents or maybe from their friends and uh, the you know and from the schools i mean uh, years ago years ago i was reporting on the fact that uh, ridlin was used in the schools that if the amount of ridlin consumed by students in american schools per day would fill an entire dump truck full of the pills a 10 yard dump truck of pills being given to your children. I mean, it's, that's like Aldous Huxley's Brave New World. And of course, Ridlin ends up leading to other uh, aluminum-based uh, narcotics that uh, that almost all these shooters that you see in in uh, in the schools that uh, show up and kill students and everything, almost all of them are on these medications. And they say, well, that's that they are they were already disturbed. That's why they're on the on the medications themselves. They tell you suicidal tendencies and aggressive behavior is a side effect of the drug. So many people I know that take these drugs for depression. They say, oh, well, as soon as I start to go off the drug, I start feeling depressed. That's called withdrawal. The drug does not deal with the problem. The drug deals with the symptom. It, people have to stop dealing with the symptoms. Abortion is a symptom. Suicide is a symptom. Illiteracy is a symptom. Before we had public schools, we had literacy. Now that we have had public schools for a hundred years in America, we have more illiteracy in America than we did in 1776. You have more uh, illiteracy amongst the black community today than you did in 1910. 
Why? Because you're not following the ways of God. The ways that the Bible tells you from the beginning to the end. You are not, your sacrifice is not the sacrifice of righteousness. It's the sacrifice of force. Sacrifice of righteousness is through charity. We can't even go back. We're so addicted to the present system. So Ephraim shall be desolate in the days of rebuke. That's when, you know, the answers come. You know, where the consequences come. Amongst the tribes of Israel have I made known that which shall surely be. He's telling you that this is going to happen to the modern Christian because the modern Christian is not following Christ. The princes of Judah, that's the ones who follow the king. They're not rebellious. They haven't said what is David to us, but they are rebellious. Because desiring to have the king to begin with was rebellion. They have rebelled against me. Go read Samuel 8. The princes of Judah were like them that removed the bond. Therefore, I will pour out my wrath upon them like water. It's built into the system. That God created from the beginning. It's not like God is just gets fed up and he's gonna, now he's going to punish you. This is your reward. Destruction is the reward. It is the wages of unrighteousness that are sweet in the mouth but sour in the belly. That's what they're talking about. Seems like it's really good. I mean, they pay for my student loan. But you're greater. You have a greater debt. The debt did not go away. You just put it on your neighbor. We are to love our neighbor as ourselves. We are to love our our neighbor's children as ourselves. But we don't. We covet our neighbor's goods. We send men to their house to force them to contribute so that we can have welfare today. And we even borrow against the future of our children. Ephraim is oppressed and broken in judgment because he willingly walked after the commandment. Now, what does that mean? Walked after the commandment. Did he walk after the commandment? The ordinances. That word is also translated precepts. The precepts of who? Used in mocking mimicry of Isaiah's words and thus not the true divine command. That's what it says in the definition. You have to look again at all the Hebrew words. All the Hebrew letters that conform that word in that verse 11. Therefore will I be unto Ephraim as a moth and to the house of Judah as rottenness. The moth eats up the garments. Eat out where thieves, you put it in a central treasury where thieves and robbers, where moths could eat it up. The worms of society just wanted more and more benefits, buying more and more votes so they can get more and more power. You know, all ten planks of the Communist Manifesto are law in the United States today. 
All the problems that we're suffering in the economy is not the result of capitalism, but the result of straying away from capitalism and the righteousness of God. Because God is a capitalist. He gives you the corn, the oil. That's what it says in Hosea. He's he's giving you these things. Did you forget that he's giving them to you if to do his will? His will is not that you covet your neighbor's goods. It's not that you force the contributions of your neighbor. Not that you sign and swear oaths to the fathers of the earth to become the benefactors who exercise authority. That is not the will of God. If your church says that's okay, your church is a liar. When Ephraim saw his sickness and Judah saw his wound, then went Ephraim to a Syrian and sent to King Jerob. Yet could he not heal you, nor cure you of your wound? What is this Assyrian? It's the Asurs. I added a new, I should put a link there on that page, so you can go to this article that I added. The Asurs, which were the Canaanites, the traffickers of men. When they saw their sickness, they saw their difficulties, their wound, they went to the traffickers of men. They went to the Federal Reserve. <laughs> they went to and borrowed against their future. For I will be unto Ephraim as a lion and as a young lion to the house of Judah. And I, even I, will tear and go away. I will take away and none shall rescue him. There, There's almost no going back. There is, there is repentance and it will take a miracle. Despite what Biden said in one of his speeches, you're not going to get a miracle. If you repent and stop thinking that your salvation is electing this president or that president. Now, I'm not saying you can't go out and vote. You can go out and vote in self-defense. But know this. Voting is not your salvation. Your salvation is repentance and you have to repent all the way and go back to the ways of God. And nobody's been telling you that. Even though it's there in all the books of the Bible. I will go and return to my place till they acknowledge their offense and seek my face in their affliction. They will seek me Early. So, he will return if you acknowledge your offense, which has been coveting your neighbor's goods, through the exercising of authority one over the other, and you repent early. The earlier you repent, the better off you are. And since this is seeking and persevering and, and striving, you should be sitting down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands and starting to create a system of social welfare based on faith, hope, and charity instead of the one you have today that is based on force, fear, and violence. You cannot get your rights back until you accept your responsibilities back. So, right now in the side panel, 
on on that page. I talk about Hosea, the topic of uh, Paul in Romans 9, and I have a link back there to our study on Romans 9. There's audios there, as well as a great deal of information. I'm going to probably go back and dress that up if I get time. Um, there are consequences, basically, revolting against God, and you will you will end up revolting against the unrighteous mammon. But Jesus warns you to be friends to the unrighteous mammon. For when it fails, you will be suitable for more righteous habitations. That's the kingdom of God. If you think you're just going to get out of the system or get out of taxes or get out of uh, the bondage of Egypt, which is where you're at now, by rebelling... No, you won't. You have to pay your tally of bricks and turn around. And I've added, we have a guru page. There's a lot of guys out there offering you solutions, salvation through their cleverness. No, Christ gave you the key to salvation, the keys to the kingdom. What you bind on earth is bound in heaven. What you loose on earth is loose in heaven. How do you loose what is loose that is already bound? How do you dissolve the bands which have connected you with another? With paperwork? No, with righteousness, with repentance, with forgiveness. We've done this by coveting our neighbor's goods and by borrowing and our table has become a snare and we've borrowed against the future and we've become merchandise and we have turned our children's teeth on edge. And we are those children, some of us. We are born in bondage. We cannot free ourselves with more delusions. We can be made free by repenting and seeking that kingdom. And the modern church has let you bite one another while they sang you to sleep and tickled your ears. You have to let go of that eventually. I'm not telling you to leave your local church or anything. I'm telling you to think differently. Think like Christ wants you to think, like Moses was telling them to think. And this, I have there in the site. Now, it's the same is true of the modern nation of Israel. They have a heavy progressive income tax. They have uh, they have public schools that are funded by forced contributions. They have unjust weights and measures in their pocket. They they don't even have clad coin like America. They just have iron coin and debt notes. They're all going the wrong way. Now, in all those nations, you know the 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 existing temporal government or secular government of Israel, there are probably some good people that are starting to wake up and see this. And they're probably trying to figure out how to change things. Well, sit down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands, gather in a network of faith, open charity, and God will provide the miracle that you're going to need. So, should we get over into chapter 6 of Hosea? Come! And let us return unto the Lord, for he hath torn, and he will heal us. He hath smitten, and he will bind us up. After two days will he revive us. The third day he will raise us up, and we shall live in his sight. Now, what they're talking about is those dry bones. I should have a link in here to the dry bones so that you can understand these first two verses are about these dry bones. You're dry bones in this valley of death because you're not doing what Christ said to do. 
And this is why your children kill themselves. This is why you have this suicide. This is why your children rebel. This is why they have no purpose. Can you imagine a world where you were taking care of all the social welfare through charity? Well, you would have to sit down and in small groups of ten. Somebody was just saying the other day that there was a lady who, and I'm not sure why she was in a coma, but her husband had passed away and uh, she ended up in a coma. And uh, she had one seven-year-old daughter, I think it was seven or nine-year-old daughter. And uh, local people were, to, you know, that we know that are actually a part of our network, extended network at least, took took in the child while she was in a coma. And then she ended up dying and children's services wanted to take the child away. And fortunately, they found a relative. I don't know if it's a brother or uncle, but he has a family and he's well off. And I guess he has children of his own. And so he was going to bring her in. But in the old days, this was all done by the family. And the guy saw how this was so difficult that that was saying everybody should get term life insurance. Well, that's why you joined church. The church was your life insurance. The church was your social welfare. In early America, back then when everybody could read and we had this huge, high uh, literacy rate where only four in a thousand people were illiterate. Just astounding compared to today. You could go to Harvard and you wouldn't have to take out a student loan. They guarantee if you could keep the grades up, everybody could go to Harvard or Princeton or any of these major colleges that were built by private donations. They they wouldn't even think of taxing their neighbor to provide these institutions. It was it'd be unthinkable. Today it's commonplace. We've become accustomed to living at the expense of others and depending for our livelihood on the property of others. But in those days, they didn't think of that way. They did when they first came to America and they starved. And then they suddenly said, what you produce is yours. It's not from each according to his ability and to each according to his need. But it was capitalism. You produce it, it's yours. And then the people learned charity. They helped out those who didn't produce enough. But they helped them out in a way that strengthened them. You know, if they were just going to squander their time and life away, they they weren't going to give them as much. They weren't going to give them guaranteed income. But they thrive. Now, we have people who don't know our history, because they've took that out. They've destroyed our heroes. They, they're tearing down the monuments of those heroes. Not that they were all heroes, but there were qualities in those men. That's why they erected them. They didn't erect those because of their weaknesses. They erected those monuments because of their strengths. This is all the gods of, of the Teutons and, and these aren't gods like we think. They are representing things like courage and uh, justice. And mercy and sharing. The, the huntresses were the sharing goddess, goddesses. They're, they're, they're talking about characteristics of the God. 
But people turn it into religion and philosophies and mythologies and then you lose the purpose of the stories. And and we begin to worship the symbol rather than the meaning. We unmoor the meaning from its symbol. That's why people thought that God said pile up stones and burn up sheep. That's not what they were doing. A pile of stones was a council of men. They were the priests of your nation. The most charitable, giving, responsible people in your community were made the priests of your community. And they took care of the needy of society. You think you have that in your insurance company? The insurance company doesn't care about you. They That's why they put all these... Yeah, little clauses in there where you're not going to get covered. (laughs) And when we know it, but we don't want to admit it because we want to believe in our insurance, our social welfare, our social security. We don't want to live by faith. We want to live by guarantees. But there are no guarantees. So he says in verse 4, O Ephraim, What shall I do unto thee, O Judah? What shall I do unto thee? For your goodness is as a morning cloud, as he, as the early dew, it goeth away. Because they're not really being good. You know, I don't know if I read verse 3. That was verse 4. Verse 3. Then shall we know if we follow on to know the Lord. His going forth is prepared as the morning. And he shall come unto us as the rain. As the latter and the former rain unto the earth. If we go his ways, we will be blessed. If we don't go his ways, we won't. If we think we can do this ourselves with our own cunning, then our goodness will go away. So in verse 4, Therefore have I hewed them by the prophets. I have slain them by the words of my mouth. And thy judgment are as the light that goeth forth. So all the problems that we're seeing in the world today, people want to go and study economics and they want to, you know, we're going to fix the economy and we're going to, our stimulus package. Now, I will admit some candidates for for these offices want to do things that are a little bit closer to the ways of God. But you know what? Nobody is closer to the ways of God than God. Except no, because every time you don't accept the whole truth, you set yourself up for failure. Verse 6, for I desired mercy and not sacrifice. When he says and not sacrifice, not sacrifice alone. He wanted sacrifice through charity. Taxes are sacrifice. It's just not sacrifice through charity. Therefore, it makes the word of God to none effect. And the knowledge of God more than burnt offerings. See, because just, you know, I mean, you could, the guy who hands the $20 bill outside his car window to a guy standing on the street corner with a sign. That's a burnt offering. 
He gave him the 20 bucks. He has no control over it. He just gave it out there. That's a burnt offering. That's what burnt offerings mean. You give it up entirely. To, to, should be giving it up to that council of men, those wise servants, those priests of a nation. Not just handing them out to a guy on the corner. We've had shows and we talked about that where the guy supposedly on the corner and begging. There's girls on the corner begging and, and you give them money and then you find out that they had a nicer car than you. They got a, they're getting a government check and they got all this time on their hands so they go out and beg for part of the day. So they pick up an extra 20 bucks, 100 bucks. Yeah, you know, somebody showed a, a guy who, you know, he's a concert being violinist and, I don't know, he's got like a million dollar violin or something and he uh, plays in like Carnegie Hall for $100 a ticket. Well, the same guy went into a, uh, train station or subway station and he played there and he made like 30 bucks. <laughs> He <laughs> played, played, uh, complicated for hours and ended up with just, I don't know, it might have been 13 bucks. It was just small change. Because people didn't pay. Well, that's because we don't appreciate. We think, it, we, you know, the fact is there are street musicians who are probably not as good a player as him, but better at being street musicians and they know where to go and where to be and how to look and, uh, they do, they don't do too bad. I don't know how they're doing. This day and age, they probably have to wear a mask. But the reality is, is that we've changed the whole nature of society. Because we're not actually thinking like Christ and John the Baptist. And all the Jews out there aren't really thinking like Moses. Otherwise, Israel wouldn't have followed all the different ways that they followed. They're not following Moses. Now, I'm not saying there aren't good people in those countries. You know, God so loved the world, which means the organized system, the constitutional orders and systems of government like Rome, that he gave his only begotten son so that the people in Rome might be saved. The same as Paul went to Corinth and talked to the treasurer and said, you guys need to do this more by charity. Start weaning yourself off of the government dole and the dependence on men who exercise authority. That's what we should be doing. You can go and vote if you want, but that is not where your salvation is. Changing the way you're going is the key. Because God desires mercy, not just sacrifice. The knowledge of God meaning understanding what it means and who to give your burnt offering to in a way that strengthens them. Because that guy you handed 20 bucks to on the street corner, I don't think you're strengthening them. And you don't know who you should be giving and who you shouldn't be. You have to be as wise as the serpent. But they, like men, have transgressed the covenants. They've coveted their neighbor's goods. They have, they have taken sworn oaths. They have made agreements with unbelievers. They are now unequally yoked with those unbelievers. And they take a bite out of one another. So yeah, they've transgressed the covenant. There have they dealt treacherously against me, against God. Because they say, Lord, Lord, but they don't do the will of the Father. Gilead is a city of them that work iniquity and is polluted with blood. Again, 
eating meat with blood in it, strangling your neighbor so that you can have benefits today. And as troops of robbers, wait for a man. That's where we've gone with a company of priests who are murderers. Anyway, we'll be right back to Keys of the Kingdom after this brief break. Well, welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. So we're again in Hosea 6, and we were just reading verses uh, 7. Transgress the covenant. That men have transgressed the covenant because they've coveted their neighbor's goods. They sworn oaths of fealty to men who exercise authority. They have not kept the Sabbath. They've allowed those men to borrow against the future instead of earning their way as they go, paying their way as they go. So, I mean, you can't hardly find a commandment that the modern church does not say it's okay to break <laughs> with impunity. But you can't do it with impunity. And Christ warned you. You can't just say, Lord, Lord, that many would come in my name, but I know them not. Because why? Because of the works that they're doing. They would not be doing these things that they really knew God. And so, yeah, I have to be one who says, make straight the way of the Lord. So in verse 8, it says, Gilead is a city. What is Gilead? Is that just a location? It's a rocky place. It is actually, it, it comes from a word that means a pile of stones. And it actually means a pile of stones that bears witness. And it says, it's a city. The Hebrew word for city means a terror. It's something to be avoided. Remember, when they got a king, they went back to the cities. When they they renounced the king and said, what is David to us? They went back to their tents. They're talking about civil society where you're bound in civil society. It's not where you're a righteous society. Civil society doesn't mean righteous. It means it has to do with a civil system where you're bound in that system. Well, we're to be bound by faith, hope, and charity. We're not to be bound by force, fear, and violence. Or by fealty, by oaths, by swearing. This is a different way of thinking, but that is, of course, what repentance is, is a different way of thinking. So Gilead is a city of them that work iniquity and is polluted with blood because they're eating, they're taking a bite out of one another through their social welfare system that is operated by force and not by love. They give you stuff in which we just covered in the previous chapters, that your priests give you stuff, but they only give you what they take away from others. And so they say, and as troops of robbers, wait for man. So the company of priests murder in the way by consent. Because you agreed to it. For they commit Lewdness. Lewdness? What do you mean, lewdness? <laughs> well, the word is zima. Uh, actually, it can be spelled a couple of different ways. But uh, basically, it's uh, uh, that's what it is. And it's translated lewdness, wickedness, mischief, lewd, heinous crime, wicked devices, uh, wicked mind, per- wicked purposes. And that's what's... FDR presented. He presented to you a way in which you could get Social Security by coveting your neighbor's 
goods through the process of consent by signing up with the priests of Social Security to take care of one another. But they have now proved produce troops of robbers who go from house to house devouring who they will. Now, the I'm not condemning that system. I'm just telling you that what it is. It condemns itself. It tells you what will happen if you go that way. You'll make the word of God to none effect. Now, if you repent and think, well, wait a minute, maybe we can do this better ourselves. I mean, that's you see guys like Stossel and... and uh, and uh, Prager you they're always saying, uh, we don't need a government program to do this, that, and the other thing. We can do it better ourselves. They just don't take it far enough. And I don't know whether they will take it far enough, because they have a lot of delusion, too. Mostly seeking the kingdom is setting down your pre-existing delusions. You've created this monster... You created the beast system by your consent. You fed it. And now it goes about devouring who it wills. Now we can show you in the free church report how a church should organize in order to seek his way. But seeking his way is an individual journey. And Christ said to sit down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands so that you would take that individual journey in free assemblies to gather. Because how else could you do it but together? Because you have to care about your neighbor's rights, your neighbor's freedoms, your neighbor's life, your neighbor's stuff, as much as you care about your own. So verse 10, I have seen an horrible thing in the house of Israel. There is the whoredom of Ephraim. Israel is defiled. Also, O Judah, he has set and harvest for thee. When I return the captivity of my people. You're back in the bondage of Egypt. But it's worse now. The bondage of Egypt it was 20% of everything you produced had to go to the Pharaoh. 20% of your labor belonged to the Pharaoh. And through crafts of state, this got so extravagant that people were actually aborting their children. Abortion is a symptom of the fact that you're not going in the ways of the Lord. You want to outlaw abortion, but you don't want mercy. Mercy has to do with stop coveting your neighbor's goods. You don't want to live by charity. You still want to live by force. You just don't want anybody to be able to abort their child. There's already a law against abortion, like I said. But it's also a law against coveting your neighbor's goods. So if you're for social welfare by the state, but against abortion, you're a hypocrite. You still want to eat meat with blood in it. You still want to strangle your neighbor to take care of one another. This is a strong delusion of the modern church. You have to repent of that delusion. You may still have to pay your tally of bricks, but you have to take care of one another through faith, open charity. Unless you do that, you will not be saved. At least you have to turn around and go that. It will take a miracle. You won't be able to do it on your own. So now we're into verse, uh, into chapter 7 of Hosea. 
What do you think that's going to tell us? When I would have healed Israel, then the iniquity of Ephraim was discovered and the wickedness of Samaria, for they commit falsehood and the thief cometh in and the troop of robbers spoileth without. So that there, there's an internal thief and an external thief. Well, actually, your class A treasurers of the Federal Reserve are external. But you have an internal system that is taking a bite out of one another. Now, are you going to solve the problem by getting rid of the Federal Reserve? No. It's going to go away one way or another. And most people are not going to survive when it goes away. I mean, the traveling merchants of the earth that don't have this full stock, we say they're going to see everything burning far off. And they're not going to be able to stop it. You know, you got George Soros and guys like that vying for power and everything. And we can, we can go into and talk about all these bad guys lurking in these governments, conspiracies. You don't need to know all that stuff. You don't need to track all that down. Yeah, it's out there, sure. You need to focus on the ways of Christ. Christ is going to fight you. They outnumber you. They have more power than you. You need to focus on the ways of Christ. And they consider not in their hearts that I remember all their wickedness. Now their own doings have beset them about, and they are before my face. These guys who think that they, they think you're idiots, and they have manipulated the banking system and put you all in debt and made you all a surety for debt through the social security system, which we write about and explain. And you can go and follow that ad hoc, uh, until the cows come home, that is not the solution. The solution is to turn around your thinking and go the other way than the way that they've been tempting you to go, which is what Christ has been saying, what John the Baptist was saying, what the early church used to do, what we did in America. When one of the first thing within 10 years, I mean, the first pilgrims came here, they died, half of them died. They didn't know what they were doing. They didn't know how to survive here. As soon as they got away from socialism, you know, from each according to his ability to each according to his need, as soon as they got away from that, where they had the common government storehouse, famine ended. We, we were, that's right out of the diaries of guys who lived in the times. They realized that that ended famine. When they put individual responsibility back on to the people. There's there's extra things, and that's what we may get into if I get back into, you know, the causes of depression amongst the youth and why people are committing suicide and why they're susceptible to that. That uh, Yan Mi uh, Park, she was thinking about suicide, but her father ended up, the guy did save her father, although he was dying of cancer and he did pass away. And you see a picture of him. He looked like he was like 70 or 80 years old. He was 45. And 
Anyway, uh, he made her promise never to commit suicide because life is a gift. But your neighbor's life is a gift too. Stop taking a bite out of one another. Start Start allowing God to change your mind. See, you can't change your mind. You can pursue the ways of God. Sit down in the tens, hundreds, thousands and try to take care of one another through faith, hope, and charity. God will change your mind. He will write upon your heart and upon your mind. Your mind will become an institution of God. It will change the way you think. It will, in the process, it says right here in Hosea that you have to do this for a time. You, this this doesn't happen overnight. I mean, you may have revelations overnight, but you have to practice the ways of God. And over time, He will fill in the ruts of unrighteousness with His love, and He will make a new road upon which you may travel in this world. And you will not be tempted, you will not be tossed to and fro by the ruts in your road and by the wave actions of the sea. These are all metaphors. Just don't take the metaphor too far. So like I say in verse 2, And they consider not in their hearts that I remember all their wickedness. So the evil people don't want to realize that, but right now you're a part of the evil people. If you're listening to me and it's connecting with you, You may be on your way back, but you have to continue, strive, persevere, seek this other way. And allow, by setting down the doctrines that have allowed you to go this wicked way, God will write upon your heart and upon your mind. I'm just speaking words out into the air. I don't, I can't write, I don't have the right to write upon your heart and your mind. God has to do that. And now their own doings have beset them about, and they are before my face. They make the king glad with their wickedness, and the princes with their lies. You know, everybody's, you know, Trump said this many lies, Biden said this many lies, he got this many, what, 11 Pinocchios. <laughs> and how can you tell if a politician is lying? His lips are moving. (laughs) I don't want to pick on these guys. They are a product of your weakness. They wouldn't be running except for your weakness. The fact that these are the only people they have running for the presidency of the United States is a product of your lack of faith. They wouldn't have these people held up. Now, I'm not picking on I I don't know. Trump may be trying to do the right thing, but he won't know what is right to do. Because he's looking to an office of power to fix this. It's not... Until men change, governments will not change. You have to change. And you don't know what to change into. But God knows what to change you into. So set aside your man-made doctrines and see the truth. What did it say in the last chapter? Or was it the chapter before about the fact that you have to admit. You have to confess your failings, your weaknesses. 
These evil men, they make the, the king glad and, the, and their wickedness. With their wickedness. And the princes with their lies. They are all adulterers. That's why the modern church, the, the whore and the daughters of the whore, they're using that symbol of a whore. Because the real church does not exercise authority and it does not crown other men king over you. It wants you to have the crown of Christ in your life and in your family. The only way to do that is to sit down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands and start doing what Christ said to do. What John the Baptist said to do. What Hosea said to do. They are all adulterers. As an oven heateth by the baker who ceaseth, ceaseth from raising after he hath kneaded the dough until it be leavened. That's what's happened is they've mixed this leaven into, you know, back in 1910, 1913, 1929, 1933, little bit of more leaven, little bit more kneading. And then, you know, with FDR and LBJ, we just magnified but we're just full of, you know, eventually the yeast eats up everything nutritious in the bread. <laughs> and the bread is no good to you anymore. In the day of your king, the princes have made him sick with bottles of wine. He stretched out his hands with scorners. We've become drunk on these benefits. We think we can't survive without them. We think we have to get insurance. We think we have to go this other way. When we need to go the way of love. You need to depend upon love of others. You need to have faith that God's love will work through them. You have to set them free. See, buying insurance... Now, I'm not against you. If you want to buy insurance, go ahead and buy insurance. But realize that insurance is about... You have to pay in and then they have to pay you according to whatever rules they have. But that's not living by faith. Faith in insurance. You know, but it's not living by faith. So, go ahead if you want to buy your insurance for now if that's what you think God is putting on your heart. But you... Start sitting down in the tens, hundreds, thousands and casting your bread upon the waters. Which has nothing to do with tortillas on the lake. It has to do with having faith that there is a God in this universe that is in control of every bird and every lily of the field. And if we do right by one another, give mercy by one another, and you can't give mercy without sacrifice. But first you sacrifice your right to judge others and let God be judge. He's better at it. Trust me. For they have made ready their heart like an oven while they lie in wait. Their baker sleepeth all the night in the morning. It burneth as a flaming fire. That's what's going to happen. That's what we're seeing. when We're just seeing the tip of the iceberg with these riots in the streets. They are all hot as an oven and have devoured their judges, 
That's why they want to tear down the whole system. The very people that have been on welfare for years, although a lot of these people are wealthy that are instigating this, because they're ridden with guilt. This is one of the big problems with uh, people in show business. They're ridden with guilt. They're overpaid for what they provide. You know, and how many of the, the Hollywood people are all for socialism, but they themselves live in four mansions, million-dollar mansions, but they're all for socialism. They are not Christians. They are ridden with guilt. They want to force socialism on everybody else, but they want to keep their four mansions (laughs) and have devoured their judges. All their kings are fallen. That's why you see these statues they're tipping over. All the past leaders, they're just trying to destroy their reputation and so that you have nobody to look up for. They are pressing despair amongst a vulnerable population. There is none amongst them that calleth unto me, unto God. Even the Christians, they're not really following God. So how are they going to turn around? They don't even know which way to turn. Because the modern church, you know, they're... They're not really explaining the real gospel. Ephraim, he hath mixed himself amongst the people. Ephraim is a cake, not turned. Going to be burned on one side, I guess. Strangers have devoured his strength, and he knoweth it not. Yea, gray hairs are here, and there upon him, yet he knoweth not. You're running out of time. Just like the people, you know, I mean, I just find it absolutely astounding, this Article 2, Section 22, talking to these people who are all against Kate Brown. You say, well, this this is what you have to do. Just hold her to her oath of office. I have a copy of her oath of office. Somebody just sent it to me yesterday. And there she says she's going to abide by the Constitution of Oregon. Well, she isn't. (laughs) <laughs> if we're going to apply the Constitution of Oregon, she's a felon. <laughs> she has no right to the office. And every executive op- uh, uh, order that she signed is another felony. Everything she signs as the governor is a felony. She has enough felonies to put her away for eternity. But nobody will enforce the law. Cause they're, you know, why? They're sitting there waiting for somebody else to do it. They're wringing of their hands. The slothful, the sluggard, they have become they have become habitually sluggards who do not know how to seek, to persevere, to act. They don't know how to be free. The art of freedom is beyond them. Ephraim also is like a silly dove without a heart. They call to Egypt. They go to Assyria, the Asurus. Again, I should put in a link there so you can read that article. When they shall go, I will spread my net upon them and I will bring them down as the fowler of the heavens. I will chasten them as their congregation hath heard. Anyway, uh, I have a link there where it says uh, uh, spread by the net. And you go read that. But we've only got a few more verses here. Woe unto them, for they have fled from me. Destruction unto them, because they have transgressed against me. 
though I have redeemed them, yet they have spoken lies against me. That's your modern church. That's where they're at. And they have not cried unto me. They've cried unto the governments of the world to save them. They have gone after their corn and rebelled against God. We'll continue this next time on Keys of the Kingdom. Till then, join us on the network at preparingyou.com or hisholychurch.org and may God's peace be with you and with your spirit. God bless. You have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. For more information on the educational ministry provided by His Holy Church and Brother Gregory, including services, counseling, lectures, books, and other audio materials, please write to His Church at Summer Lake, Box 10, Summer Lake, Oregon, 97640. You can also find us on the web at www.hisholychurch.net. Thank you.